the theme tonight is miracles, and um, the topic is going to be, well, this, what we're going to study is a sicha of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe explains the nature of the Hanukkah miracle, and the goal is to apply it to our lives, um, to our families, to the times, you know, the specific Hanukkah 2023, or 5784 that we find ourselves in, and hopefully draw some inspiration from the message. So I want to begin by recalling the story of Hanukkah. We all know the story, right? <laughs> the Jews won the war, huh? Right? They were victorious. Why I missed it. Not just, oh, they try to kill us, we won, let's eat. Was that the thing? Okay, yeah. Good. Right, so they only found, huh? But still happening. That's true. The story, history is now, the story is now. So here's the interesting thing. The, the military victory is actually downplayed. The idea that they try, to, they try to destroy us, we won, that's actually downplayed. Really, Hanukkah is, is essentially um, focused and centered around the miracle, of course, we know the, the miracle of the oil, which seems to be a footnote. But if you think about it, when the very existence of the Jewish people, and, and I know it wasn't um, a physical threat, it was a spiritual threat, but when the very existence of Yiddishkeit hangs in the balance, and you defeat the enemy, and you're able to regain your, the Beis Amidish, your holy temple, the fact that you had oil, you didn't have oil, seems, if you think about it, I mean, we're so in, ingrained in the story, it's like, obviously this is the story, but when you take a step back, the oil seems to be a minor accessory. Right? It seems to be a very small piece of... And yet, that's, that's the, the, almost the entire focus of Hanukkah and the way certainly we observe it with the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. We put the oil front and center. Um, you know, I think as we go through the sicha tonight a little bit, we're going to get some insight as to why that's so. And I'm sure you've heard you know, and have thought about this before as to why that's so. But I want to begin with the question, fam- the famous question that's asked. Question that the Beis Yosef and others bring, literally there are hundreds of answers to this question. You guys know the question, right? Should I do eat fried foods? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a miracle. Give me a little bit more. What's the question? What's the famous question? Why they didn't use normal oil? That's a good question. Is, is the, are we talking about the oil? We light the manure for eight days, yeah. commemorating. Oh. Yeah, we're going to get there. Hold on. Let's not turn to the punchline. Hold on. Slow it down. No, the question that's asked, the famous question that's asked is, if the miracle, one second, if the, mir- if the oil was supposed to la- naturally would have lasted for one day and miraculously, right, it lasted for eight days, that means how much of it was natural oil? One day. How many days was the miracle oil? Seven days. So if we're celebrating the miracle... Right, then why is it that we don't light the menorah for seven days? Yeah. Ninety-nine answers to go. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know that you know that song? Ninety-nine answers for this basis question on the table, right? So literally the basis of there are there are books compiled with over a hundred answers to this question. One of them is 
We celebrate the finding of the oil. One of them is that we're celebrating the military victory. There are many answers that are given. Um, but in the Sicha, the Rebbe addresses two of the more famous answers and really debunks them. These are answers that have been well accepted in Jewish literature, and the Rebbe pokes holes. Not the first one to poke holes, but he pokes holes in these answers. So what I want to do is, I want to begin the Sicha. Oh, you guys don't have a copy. Just set up. Okay, here, let's pass this around. Thank you. That is the question. You know what would be cool about that? The Menorah would have seven branches. You know what other Menorah had seven branches? Boom. It would have even looked better. It would have looked more authentic. Now we have to modify the Menorah. We have to add a shamish in the middle to keep it symmetrical. The whole thing is a mess. Okay. Um, we're going to... I'm going to paraphrase... Okay. Oh, you should know. I, we, this is the original Yiddish uh, Sicha. The Sicha was originally said in the year 1965, I'm sorry, 1974 and 1965, it's a combo, which means that whoever prepared the Sicha, when they wrote up the Sicha, they took a few different talks of the Rebbe, edited it, combined it, and published it. This is the published version. This comes from the Kutay Sichais, volume 15. It's the fifth Sicha for the parasha of Chai Yisara. Um, which is also which was which is also many years Shabbos Mevarachim Kislev, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase the opening chapter of the Sicha. Oh, so it's a Yiddish Sicha, but I figure we'll do Yiddish for all time's sake. So the first chapter of the Sicha, he asks a question related to Parshas Chayisar. What happens? What happens in Parshas Chayisara? So we read about um, the first shidduch that happens in Jewish history. Right? Who gets married in Chayisara? Yitzchak marries Rivka. Good. And at the end of the parsha, what happens? By the way, love and marriage was seems so simple back then. Right? Yitzchak stays at home. Rivka is hanging out by a well. Eliezer says, hey, you want to get married? Sure. They meet. That's it. They're married. They fall in love. I don't know which order comes first or second. Whatever. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it says that he took her for a wife and he loved her. Right? Which means that love follows marriage. There you go. That's what it is. I'm just reporting the facts as the Torah says it. How we apply it, I'll let you guys figure that out. Now, but it does say that he brought her home, or he brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother. That Yitzchak brings his new wife, Rivka, into the tent of Sarah, his mother. And Rashi says famously, what does it mean that he brought her into his mother's tent? It means that three, there were three miracles that occurred with, uh, in Sarah's, you know, in her experience. And when Rivka married Yitzchak, the same three miracles re-emerged. Re- what are the three miracles? What? 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 Both? Candle stayed lit. The challah stayed fresh. They call that Ziploc bags. Choking. Choking. Huh? Some people say it means that a little bit of dough would be satisfied. 
Interesting. All right. So it could Good. be that it was... That all, by the way, also, Ziploc also helps for that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you. Especially if you run out of challah, then you eat the bag. <laughs> Said no one ever. What was the third miracle? The Shechina. The there was a cloud, right? A cloud over the tent, which would be awkward now. Like there's a cloud over my house and it's not moving. <laughs> it's got to be a blessing or else it's very bizarre. Okay, so, what, so the Rebbe asks a foundational question on Hanukkah. And that is, we seem to have a problem. You see, Hanukkah celebrates the miracle of the oil lasting for eight days. And we make a whole holiday, a whole huge holiday over the fact that the oil lasted way longer than it should. The Rebbe's opening question is, why are we celebrating that? It's happened before. It's not like the first time it happened. It happened with Sarah. It happened with Rivka. They lit candles or they lit oil. They didn't have candles then, right? They lit oil, an oil lamp. It should have lasted for, I don't know, for Friday night. And it lasted a whole week. You're going to tell me because Hanukkah was eight days versus seven days, so you make a holiday out of it? In other words, it would seem like a yomtiv is established when a miracle happens for the first time in history, right? But they didn't have, they didn't have a, she, they had other oil. They didn't have oil. Who? The, in the Hanukkah story. Now, I understand that the context was amazing, but the fact that oil lasts longer doesn't seem to be anything revolutionary. So if you're trying to commemorate you know, the, the miracle of Hanukkah. So do something else. Why you sell? It doesn't seem to be such, a, such an incredible miracle. Okay, that's the question. So now in Ice Bays, in the second chapter, you turn the page to page 184. So the Rebbe starts explaining, breaking down various theories regarding how the miracle of the oil actually took place. This is not a theoretical conversation. This is actually a practical question. What, ha- what happened? Excuse me. What happened with the oil? Did they, you know, they only had oil for one day. Did they pour all of it in? Did they pour in only a little bit? After the first night, did it all go down? Did only a little bit go? Like, what happened? So we have two major theories on this that, again, the Rebbe will debunk, but let's, let's go through it. Base. The Nesvan Chanukah is memavar b'cholos etzvei eifanu. The miracle of Chanukah is, in general, explained in two different ways. And... It's, we're going to see here how we have a qualitative, uh, sorry, a quantitative miracle uh, approach, a qualitative miracle approach, and then a magical miracle approach. This is not sponsored by the campaign, magic. <laughs> you're familiar with that campaign. Anyway, but there's the quali- quantitative, there's qu- you're right, quantitative, qualitative, and magical. Let's go, Aleph, number one. First explanation. Es in Kamus, Hashemin, Bizas is Gaven, Genug Shemin, Farala Acht Teg. So the first explanation is that the quantity, the amount of oil increased so that there was enough oil for eight days. So what does that mean? How, how does that work? So there was just two options. Tsiba Eifin, as their pach is Yedin Tog, Nachin, Unfil, and Dineris, Gabub Mamalik Bedchila. So one option is so imagine this is the flask. Right, this is this this is where the oil, the bottle of oil. And imagine you have the manure again. The base of the manure in the base of the had seven lamps, not eight, obviously seven lamps. So the kohen takes the oil, pours it into the lamps, fills up the lamps, and then magically looks at the looks at the um, at the at the at the pach at the um, 
jug, flask, and it's still full. Wow, that's right. So he pours it out and it fills back up. I think there was like this, you know, kids, when you pour, there's like that fake cup that pours, you know what I'm talking about? Neither do I. Okay, anyway, so there's a threat. It refills, amazed. Next, let's continue. Other, or the other option, so, or the other option that the Beis brings is that every day after the oil had burned down, it magically rose back up. It was a self... So, the oil basically was miraculously self-filling. Either it filled in the, in the original um, flask, or it re, so refilled in the flask, or it refilled in the actual lamps of the candelabra of the menorah itself. Yes? Yes? Two options? But the miracle is that there was the oil regenerated. Base. Second option. Their nest is given. It wasn't the quantity of the oil that increased. It was the quality of the oil. You know, you ever buy the, you know, the laundry detergent that's like super concentrated and they say you have to use only like a third less? Right? Or something like that? Yeah. yeah? They have that? It's a thing. Thinking about a certain um, direction. <laughs> direction that I, anyway, so so what what's the so what would what would the qualitative approach be that the oil became supercharged oil, like normal oil? You know, you, this this amount of oil or whatever it is only lasts for one night, but it became supercharged oil. That the oil itself was a type of oil that could burn and burn and burn. So, Beis, the second way of explaining the miracle, the nesis given beechos, the miracle was. A, a, a qualitative miracle. Be'eches Hashemen, the mas shemen vas apiteva, kenezayin, genug, oif, brennen, blaze, eintog, the amount of oil that should normally last only one day, hat gebrent, achteg, actually burned for eight days. Das heis, which means, yedentog, hat eis gebrent, an achtel von dem shemen, shebepach, every day only burnt one eighth of the amount of oil. So they filled up, well, here you have a question about how they did it. Did they divide the oil originally into eighths and only pour an eighth in it every day and that eighth burned the whole night, you know, the whole night that it was supposed to burn or the whole day, whatever, the roughly 24 hours or less? Or did they pour all of it in and then each day it only went down one eighth? Again, if they divided into eighths, that would imply that they were thinking, no, that they were thinking they knew it would take eight days. Or said whatever they knew it would take eight days to get the oil, so they figured. So what should we do? Every day we'll light as much. We'll light, we're going to divide it. It's like imagine you're rationing. Imagine you're you know you're on a trip. You have X amount of food. All right. However, however far it gets us every day, but at least we'll have a little bit each day. And lo and behold, do we know the answer? They put all the oil. Right? No, we don't know the answer. No, it's, this is a big conversation. We don't actually know what happened. Can I ask a question? Sure. But both opinions are saying that every day they actually turn on the fire again, right? You have to, yeah. Like it's a mitzvah, right? To turn yeah, it yeah, on. yeah, yeah. But I think like as a child and until now, I always thought that they turn only one time and it was leading. Right, right. <laughs> I feel myself like a child. Like, There's like, a mitzvah, right. So the mitzvah <laughs> is to light it every <laughs> single day. I understood day. that they light it. It was like a surprise. Okay, it was eight days. No more lighting right. until the new one. Right. 
But the Chidush, like yeah, the explanation well, the, is like there's a mitzvah every day, so Hashem yeah. made it in a way that they were they able to do the mitzvah. mitzvah. Right, the mitzvah was every single day. They were able to light it, and there was like enough. Like was oil. turning off a little bit, and then I guess <laughs> somehow it it went out, and then it went back, and then you relit it. So we have two basic approaches over here, right? We have two two basic approaches. I'm going to skip the brackets because the brackets just say the two options that I just shared before. So again, one option is we had Aleph and Beis. One option is that it was a, a miracle in, um, in the quantity of oil. So whether the, the initial flask or jug replenished itself or the lamps in the menorah replenished themselves, either way the oil just replicated each day. Or the second option is that it's not the amount of oil that changed, it's the type of oil. It's like a, the quality of the oil. Instead of being normal olive oil, it became, again, supercharged, concentrated, I guess they would call it, Olive oil ultra boost plus, <laughs> right? New, it would say new on it. The ultra boost plus, and you know when they roll it out, you get a five dollar coupon, and they, you, know, you get a whatever. They're trying to move the product and tell you how amazing it is. Like this lasts for eight times as long as eight times concentrated, etc. Right? Be good for Shazak. <laughs> That's honestly the nicest compliment <laughs> I've ever got. <laughs> You could write this. <laughs> you could absolutely write this. The rabbi asked that question also. The Ishashunamis was well before this story. Probably a thousand years. Correct. It's all been done before. We're about to, we're about to get there. We're about to get there. Good. Excellent. All right. Hold on. Strike that from the record. Because it's, it's, that's a step and a half ahead. Let's, just, let's all get, catch up there for a second. So again, we have the qualitative, sorry, the quantitative, the commas, the quantitative miracle where there's, there's just more oil, the same type of oil, but just more of the same, or a qualitative approach, which means that the oil actually transformed into, into higher quality oil, and then how did it go, how did it actually happen? Did they fill it up? Did they just go all in day one, and then the oil only receded, you know, only went down an eighth each day, um, or did they... Lechatchila divided an eighth each day, but that one eighth was so supercharged that it lasted the full amount for one day. Okay, either way, we don't know, but that's. Let's continue. One eighty four left left column, second paragraph. Apizek kumtais lechayra, as the beer by now. Let's see. Maybe I want to skip this. So the Rebbe says. Yeah, let's skip it. Um, okay, so the Rebbe basically says that based on this, I'm, we're going to skip this, let me paraphrase this, that this, based on this, um, these two ways of looking at it, one way is similar to, one way is similar to Sarah's miracle and one way is dissimilar to Sarah's miracle. Which way is similar to Sarah's miracle? Well, we know that's the whole week, but which one? Is that a kamas or echo? Is that quantity or quality? I don't understand that Sarah only lived one time. Huh? Like, I think Sarah lived only one time because she didn't have a meter every day. Correct. So probably yeah. it's the same. Like, no, I we know it stayed, no, it, stayed the whole, it stayed lit the whole week, but what happened? Did it refill itself or did it was it supercharged? It was probably supercharged, 
right? Yeah. So the Rebbe says, if you say the miracle is in, um, is in echos, right, is in quality, that the quality of the oil changed, then it would be the same miracle as, um, as Sarah. So, but if you say it's a miracle in, in, um, in quantity, right, then that's a chiddush. Because we don't find that by Sarah Menu that she, that somehow magically the jug refilled or whatever, right? But we do find a precedent where jugs refilled. That's where you come in, Kayla, right? <laughs> the Rebbe says, but even if you go like the first way, right, there's also a precedent. This is bottom paragraph 184, left column, Aber, Eich Leit, Dem Eifen, is in Mohus Hanes von Chanukah, Nitgeven, Kane, 185, Chiddush. But even according to the first way, that somehow the jug or the flasks somehow just replicated and just, you know, brand new oil emerged. That also was done before. That's also not a Chiddush. Why? We also find that type of miracle before in Nevi'im, explicitly in Tereshav Aksav, in, in the books of the Nevi'im, their nest by Elisha. The nest, the miracle with the flask of oil by Elisha. What happened? The woman, the, it says, Eishas, the wife of one of the Nevi'im became a widow. Who was her husband? Who was her husband? Who remembers? No, it wasn't Elisha. No, it was a woman whose husband died. He was, I'm forgetting his name. Whatever. Oh, he said that they went uh, knocking on the yeah, door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, so, and it, so here's what happened. Greenberg, no? This is, in the ti- this is in the times of, let's, let's break this down. This was in the times of, uh, of the king whose name was Achav. And Achav was married to a woman whose name was? Izevel. Jezebel, right? She was an idolatress and he was uh, an idolator. And although they, he, was a Jewish, he was a Jewish king and king over the Jews, he was all into Avedazara idolatry. And all of the Nevi'im of the time, there were many, many, many Nevi'im. We have a few Nevi'im that are... Um, that are that are published. Avaja was his what was was the husband. Avaja. Obadiah, yeah. No, I didn't say Ishishnamus. I said Aishas Aishas me Naviim. It says Aishas me Naviim. One of the wife of one of the Naviim, but it was Avaja. Avaja. So what he did was, oh, so Achav wanted to kill. He killed the messenger. So Achav wanted to kill the Naviim because the Naviim were saying, "Don't listen to the king." He's a, he's, they're serving, don't listen to the king and queen. You're not allowed to serve idols. Judaism, right? God doesn't like it. Hashem doesn't like it. So Achav and Izevel, they were on a campaign to kill all the, to kill all the Nevi'im. To kill all the, all the rabbis, all the Nevi'im. And so Evaja, he was one of the Nevi'im, but he took it upon himself to hide all of the other Nevi'im and to provide them food. And to, to do this, he took out incredible amounts of debt. He didn't have the money, but he borrowed, he borrowed, he borrowed. Then he died. I don't know if he was killed or if he died. Either way, he's gone. And now, guess what happens? All the creditors come knocking at the door. She doesn't know what to do, so she goes to Elisha. Elisha was the protege and the successor of? Elio Anavi. Good. Right? Remember, he went off in a chariot. He said, good luck. And he's, he's gone. That's kind, that's kind of what happened, actually. So Elisha now is, uh, is holding down. You know what, Leo? Everyone's like, we're all into Elio Anavi. You know who Elio Anavi was? 
he was a kanoi. You know what a kanoi is? He was a zealot. It says Pincha Zulio. He was a hardliner. He was like no monkey business. He says to Hashem, everyone's serving idols. They've all gone off the rails. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. He says to Hashem, I'm the only one left that believes in you. That's why he's sent to every bris. You know why Elio comes to every bris? It's not for the alcohol. Although, although he does come around whenever there's wine. I just noticed that. Just saying. Think about it. Think about it. There's always like a kashal. There's always... Anyway, but so why, Elio, why? Why because he... Hashem is telling him, you think you're the only one? Here's another kid whose parents are bringing wow. him into the covenant, into the bris of Avram Avinu. Wow. You said 3,000, uh, uh, no, whatever, 2,800 years ago, you said that you're the only one left? <laughs> About that. About that. So the two major things, a bris, and uh, by the carbon Pesach, by Pesach, oh, we, bring, uh, we bring in Elio to, to observe the situation. Elio couldn't handle this world. That's why he leaves this world. He can't handle the world. Right? But he keeps on coming back. Yeah, because he's being... Right, but he's but not... Know, he's happy for so, him or he's like... <laughs> Elisha's totally different. Elisha is... He's a man of the people. So when, when this woman, when she needs money, Elisha's the guy. Elio would say... Uh, who knows what he would say, but he, Elisha is hands-on. So Elisha says in the story, so she says, I don't have the money. He says, what do you have? She says, I have nothing left. He says, what do you have? She says, all I have is some oil. He says, perfect. Oil. It's like the story with Coach. Coach Sachs. You know Coach Sachs? And the rabbi, so this guy, Abe Sachs, he was a, a coach for the Harlem Globetrotters. You guys know what that is? The basketball team? Huh? No, yeah, right. Not real basketball. But they would, yeah, it was a parody, good. They were a parody basketball team. Basically, they did shows. It's like a circus, but playing basketball. So they played against a team called the Washington Generals. But that was like the lovable losers. And these guys would do tricks. Like they would spin the ball and like go over the guy's head. Go, oh, where's the ball? Like it was like a funny, it's comedic, it's cute. Anyway, this guy, Abe Sachs, Jewish guy, he was one of the coaches of the Harlem Globetrotters. And, um, and he's watching one night, he can't fall asleep or whatever it is, he's watching the late night cable TV. And lo and behold, he's, the Fabrengan pops up, right? So he's like, this is great. He doesn't understand Yiddish, but I don't know, maybe Manus was doing the, the, the live translation. So he's, he's seeing the translation. He's like, I got to meet this rabbi. Love him. I got to meet him. So he has the next day to 770. He's like, I want to meet the rabbi. It's not so simple. Anyway, he meets the rabbi. First time, first time he meets the rabbi, he says, he blurts out, he says, Rebbe, I'm a coach. And the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said immediately, the first thing, immediately the Rebbe said, good, we need a coach. Wow. You're a coach? We've been missing a coach around here. Great. You're a coach? Boom, you're on the team. You're, on, you're a coach wow, of the team. And then by the Fabrengans, he was the one who was like, uh, he would do like, you know, he, he would cheer and he, very Lebedek. You can look at Ape Sachs, Ape Sachs, Rebbe, just Google, you'll see videos. So what's the point? The point is, the Rebbe said, we need a coach. Good, you ha- you're a coach. We need a coach. Alicia says, what do you have? Oil? Perfect, we need oil. So he says, that was my train of thought. So anyway, so Alicia, so Alicia says, take the oil. Huh? Yeah, take the oil. That's what I'm dropping in. So take the oil. He says, oh, clay, it says, gather vessels. Right? Clay, rake, and altamiti. Don't, like, get as many empty vessels as you can. Borrow. And then she fills up, and magically it, 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 uh, it replenishes. 
until there's no more kalim, no more vessels, and, and the oil stops. The Rebbe's question here is, either way you look at it, there was nothing new that happened Hanukkah. Because if, it's a, if the miracle was, again, we had, we had quantity and quality. Let's start with the second one first. If the quality of the oil changes, super-powered oil, right, ultra, you know, boost plus oil, Sarah Imenu, Rivka Imenu, they also had supercharged oil. And if it's that it replicated, the magically more oil kept on being generated, Elisha's miracle. It happened before. Both happened before. So then why Hanukkah? What are we celebrating? I understand. The Greeks, the Jews, the Beis Hamikdash, a spiritual decree. I get it. But that's not what we're doing. We're, we're lighting a menorah because of this miracle. We're commemorating something unique. It doesn't seem that unique. Yeah, so it must be that there's something. That Correct. Remember, all anytime the Rebbe asks a question, it's never a wall, it's never a door. It's literally pushing us into a new direction. It's amazing. Now, Gimel. I'm sorry. I think we... Oh, he asked more questions. He asked more questions. I'm going to paraphrase this. Um, the Rebbe basically says that if the miracle was in the um, was in the quality of the oil. Remember the, the second opinion that it was the quality of the chain, supercharged boost oil, then it's not olive, olive oil. And the nurse was to be lived with olive oil. Normal, I was supposed to say human, but that would be weird. Normal oil from olives. And what is this? This is not that. Now, sorry menu. And, and, and Rivka, that was fine because there's no mitzvah to lay with olive oil. But if you're looking to find one pach, shalshemen, chasen, b'chayesmen, shalkayen gadol, finding one flask that's still sealed with the, the seal of the kayen gadol, because it's olive oil, but then it's not olive oil actually, it's not normal olive oil, then you didn't do the mitzvah either. Then why not just use the tamay oil? Like, what did you gain if it's not olive oil? You with me on that question? Mm-hmm. Yes? I didn't so, understand. Why is it If, because that's not normal oil. But it's powerful olive oil. It's pa- yeah, but that means it's not olive oil. It's, like it's a change in the, the DNA. Oil. Yeah, that's the point. The DNA, the molecular structure is obviously different. And if that's the case, then what are you using? Then just use tame oil or use, I don't know, use it. Then use kerosene. Like what, what are you, you're not using olive oil. Because olive oil doesn't last. Huh? Did it change? Again, according to that understanding... The echos, the quality of the oil change, means it's not olive oil. That's the question of this. I understand. I understand what you guys are both saying, but that's the way the Rebbe frames it. And if you say the miracle was in the kamos, in the amount of oil, which means, which means that, which means, which means, it is the other way around. It is the other way around. Look, look at that. Well, I made it work the other way also. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So your questions are good questions, and therefore we're going to reverse direction. If you say, oh, let's go. Let's, if you say the miracle was like the first way, that the kamos, the, quant, the qu- um, quantity of the oil change, which means, again, let's speak in plain English. They took a flask of oil, they poured it into the menorah, it was gone, and then magically new oil appeared. That's the miracle oil. Right? That's miracle oil. Because where did that come from? It didn't come from olives. You already poured it out. Or even if you poured it and then it, it burned all the way down and then it refilled, where does that oil come from? It's magic oil. 
It's not olive oil, it's magic oil. You guys were right. If it's supercharged, we don't have that problem. We have another problem. Again, it, look, when you have svaras, you use, this is a good example of svaras, right? Okay, so if, if the miracle is in the kamos, in the quant, I was just speaking English, the miracle was in the quantity of oil that new oil generated, then we have another problem. Aside from the fact that that already happened with Alicia, so why, why the celebration? Aside from that, they weren't using olive oil. And if you say that it was the quality of the oil that got supercharged, well, then think about it. If they only poured one-eighth of the oil each day, because you know, they were just trying their best, but it magically was supercharged turbo oil that lasted for a full day, even on that eighth amount of charge, so, so then you didn't fill the, flat, the, 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 the lamps of the menorah with the right amount of oil. And the mitzvah is, it's not only about having it kindle, but it's also about filling it up. Right? And if they filled it up the first day all the way, but then by the second day, it went down, as, it went down an eighth, that means there's only seven eighths, which means that the next day it's not complete. So it's hard to imagine to say that they didn't do the mitzvah in a complete way. So either way, there's a problem, not only in the, in the commemoration, why would we establish a miracle if these were miracles, uh, uh, sorry, a celebration of the miracle if these miracles weren't original? Aside from that, we have a problem with the actual mitzvah itself. Either they were using non-olive oil or they were using real olive oil or super concentrated olive oil, but in a way that wasn't full in the lamps, and that seems to be problematic. So, yeah. You're just showing off again, aren't you? Dalid. V'yesh Leimar. Yeah, that's what the Rebbe says. Dal V'yesh Leimar. Adritin Eifin in Neis and this is a novel approach, which is why the Rebbe says V'yesh Leimar. V'yesh Leimar, just so you know the language, V'yesh Leimar means, and we could say, or there is room to say. This is a typical language when the Rebbe and others also, it's in, you know, in, when you study Taisus and Gemara, it's always V'yesh Leimar, as a, it, it indicates the answer, but V'yesh Leimar usually indicates a new answer. Like we might suggest, it's a humble way of saying, watch this. Yesh Leimer is about like about to be a mic drop. Yesh Leimer, Adrit and Eifin in Neis We can perhaps suggest a third approach. By Velchin, Ezainin Nita di Kushes Hamurais that will avoid the aforementioned questions. Unvas Unvas Leidem Eifin vet Eichrecht Vern as in Neis Chanukah is given a chiddush. It will answer the questions that we just asked and explain. Why the miracle of Hanukkah was indeed a brand new miracle, a miracle that we never had before. Vigabracht fear, as, as was brought earlier from Beis Yosef, the Beis Yosef, is there Neis Hanukkah, by the way, the Beis Yosef, in case you're wondering who that is, Beis Yosef was Rabbi Yosef Cairo, Cairo, who wrote, who's the author of the Shulchan Aruch, right? He wrote a commentary, it's called Beis Yosef, it's a commentary on the Torah, the tour was one of the original versions. Uh, it's not called Shulchan it's called, it's called tour, it, but it, it organized halacha into four major categories, four major turim or pillars or columns. And then on that, the Beis Yosef wrote a commentary, and then he decided he's going to re- revamp it and write his own thing called the Shulchan Aruch. And he was a Svardi on the Beis Yosef, uh, sorry, on the Shulchan Aruch, were amendments made by Rabbi Moshe Israelist, known as the Ramah, and he was an Ashkenazi, and that becomes the source of halacha for Svardim and Ashkenazim. The Shulchan Aruch you have on the same page, the, the uh, Rabbi Yosef Cairo and Rabbi Moshe Israelis, 
Ashkenazi. And Moshe is the one that wrote the book and then burned it? That also wrote the book like yes. Is, yes. Is, is that the writer? Yeah. Yeah, he started writing his own version and he realized that Rabbi Yosef Cairo wrote it, wrote his, he published it first, so he got rid of his and then he just wrote it as a commentary on the other okay. work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He calls it Haggah. Like, here's a note. So when you, when you learn Shulchan Aruch, there's like the main text, the main box of commentaries all around, but you have the main text, like kind of Gemara. So then the, the larger font is the, is the Mechaber, that's the Rabbi Yosef Kaira, and then smaller, smaller text is the Ramah. But we typically, Ashkenazim, get our psak from the Ramah, um, where he disagrees, at least. That's why we don't eat kidneys on Pesach. That would be found in the smaller text. All right. <laughs> huh? Got to read the fine print. <laughs> um, okay. Vigabrach fear from Beis Yosef, as was brought earlier from the Beis Yosef, is there nice Hanukkah light ain't svara? The miracle of Hanukkah, to one opinion, was Bashtanin in them, was 186. So what happened? They put all of the oil in the Neris, in the lamps. Um, and in the morning, they found it filled with oil. So again, According to one opinion, remember we said one opinion says they divided it into eight. They only poured an eighth of the oil into. It. Other opinion says in, they they pour, they went all they went all in. They just put you know went, went all in on the chips. They poured in all of the oil. They filled they had for one day. They filled it up, and in the morning it was still there. It was still there. The So we can say again this third approach, this brand new approach. As they're perishing them, this is the second Vishlamer. We had it two paragraphs ago. You know this is new. This is brand new stuff. Azer Pirish in them is. The explanation, the meaning of this is, Nid Azer Shemen, Hat Oiska Brent, Under Nach Haben Zichti Neres, Vidder Angefilt Mit Shemen, Bedarkness. It's not that they burn down all the way and then somehow they replenish miraculously. No. Nor, Azer Shemen, Hat Gebrent, Und Susammen der Mit, is von im Garnet Nechsegevarn. The oil burned, but it didn't deplete at all. As the sages say, by fire from above, it burns, but it doesn't consume. What the Rebbe is depicting is a scenario where it's not that the oil burns down and then replenishes. It's not that the oil becomes supercharged so it burns way slower or burns longer. But the, the oil is burning, it's fueling the fire, but it's not being depleted. But still, in the, according to Echus, according to Echus, it's not filled the whole thing. It is. It's not going it's not down even an eighth. But it's turning From off. that opinion. But if it's an opinion that was only one eighth filled. No, no. So the Rebbe is saying, here's what happened. The Rebbe is giving us a scenario. They filled it up all the way. And after the first day, it was full. Not because it burned down and then filled back up miraculously. Not because it went down only an eighth and it looks like it's full. No, it was full the whole way. It burned, but it didn't consume. See, the way fire works... Did we speak about fire in the past? I feel like we did. Fire is the only thing... Huh? Like a snake. Yes, like the snake. He's about to get there. But didn't you say part of the mitzvah was too light? Right. They filled the cup. Um, but it was one second, one second. They filled the cup the whole way. Yeah. Only the first yeah. 
So maybe they poured it and poured it back in. The cup was full. But it was turning off? Huh? Was turning off? Like full and turning off? Yeah, it probably burned out and then they, re- then they relit it. Yeah. 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 Basically. What was it? Huh? The jar doesn't the oil remained, it remained full, exactly. It remained a full amount of oil. It burned and it didn't burn. They were so, the same, same oil. Correct, correct. Here's what happens. Here's, here's what's going on. Fire by its nature, you know, light is used as an example of ruchnis, right? Light, we always speak of light, right? Spiritual light, aray and saifa, light. Which is a, which is a, actually could be a problem because you start picturing, you know, in, in, the, in the physical, in the limited mind, you picture, you know, spirituality as actual light. It's not actual light, it's spirituality, which is not, it's a mushroom. Fine, there are many reasons why it's used. But one thing is that, you know, fire is the most spiritual substance. We're about to get into Hanukkah, so it's, it's appropriate to speak about fire as we have been. Right, so what's fire? Fire is the only thing that exists that doesn't want to exist. Everything else that exists wants to exist. We, are you sure we didn't speak about this? Yeah. We did no, speak we about did, this? we did, we did. Of course now we did. Now that you're saying that. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure we I did it. I think it was on Sukkis, right? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, there's no judgment here on my side. <laughs> there's no judgment. It's a very, very safe, safe space. Basically, fire is the only... Everything else wants to assert itself. Fire wants to undo it, wants to unravel. Right? That's why to create fire, you have to force it into existence. What other thing do you have to literally strike into existence? You have to literally say, I want to make you, and you have to hit something hard to create a spark. Right? And then once it... Sorry? Nah, it's there. You have to, you have to polish it or whatever. You have to like uncover it. You have to dig for it. But you don't have to strike it into existence. What? No, to, Oh, to to make a diamond. Oh, that's true. I hear that. All right. Well, maybe also diamonds. But at least you're starting. But at least you're starting with something. With fire, it's almost like the spark. It's not even there. You have to like create a spark out of what friction to create a spark. It's like the spark doesn't even exist. You have to create it. It's like you're forcing it into existence. And then once it exists, it doesn't want to be here. How do we know? Put fire right without without anything holding it down. What's going to happen? It's gone. And even when you attach it to something, let's say you take a, not a Caesar, you take a, a paper, right, you take a paper, you light it, what happens, huh? Let's say, for example, let's say randomly. By the way, you guys heard what happened in, in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Too soon. Uh, yeah, all right. Correct, because fire doesn't want to be, fire never wanted to be here. You forced it into being. It says, I don't want to be here. So it's, it's doing everything it can to undo itself. Now what happens is that as long as you try to hold it down, so what fire does is imparts its wish on everything else. Right? Think about it. It doesn't want to be. So it says, you want to hold me down? I will make you not exist anymore. I will unravel your existence. So it destroys everything else that's, that's touching it until it can destroy itself. It is an entity that, that wants to undo its own existence. Wait, wants to unru- huh? Is this sourced in like Chassidus or in like science? This is Chassidus. Yeah. This is Chassidus as understood by me. <laughs> and conveyed to you. Fire doesn't want to be here. It never wanted to be here. It didn't ask, ask to be here. Right? When you, when you put it, you have to literally hold it down 
And if you attach it to something, it will burn, it will consume, it will destroy that thing until it can self-destruct. And it's not coming from a bad place. That's why Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam. Right, the neshama is, 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 uh, is likened to a flame. The neshama also doesn't want to be here. And it's only here as long as the body can hold it down. When the body becomes too weak, what happens? The neshama is, is undone from this form and it goes back. It says fire also has a spiritual. There's this Yisoyed Ha'esh. Huh? It's consuming the body? What consumes the body? The neshama? Uh, like yeah, power according to the... Um, According to the the Yunuka in Zohar, Parak Lamed Hay of Tanya says this, that a person is like a lamp, the Nisham is the fire, the body is the wick, and mitzvahs are the fuel. So, does it consume the body? Not in that way. The body is like the wick. The wick doesn't really get consumed as long as you have oil. Right? If you didn't have oil, the, the fire would burn the wick, would destroy the wick, and then it would destroy itself. Right? But if you have oil, it, it consumes, right? It um, fuels, right? It fuels the, the fire, and it, 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 it um, creates that combustion. But anyway, getting back to this, what are you saying over here? So here you have a scenario. Can I add something about the flame? Sure. That also is the only element that you can share, and you don't miss. Right, you don't miss. because that's what, how spirituality works. Spirituality is not a zero-sum game, right? Anything that's physical, anything that cares about its existence, the moment it's shared, it loses something. But something that doesn't want to be here doesn't mind if other things are, are also around because it doesn't take up space. It's like ego, right? If you're about, about you, then, it's, then, anyone takes, then anyone else takes away from you. If you're not about you, if you're not about ego, then happy to share. So back, um, back over here. So what he's saying is like this. That the miracle, a third way of understanding the miracle, it's again, what is it not? It's not that the oil somehow burned all the way down or the, you know, the flask was all emptied and then magically refilled. That's not what happened. And it's not even that the oil became supercharged and only burned an eighth each night because it was concentrated oil, not, you know, not, not standard oil. Not that either. This is oil. It was normal oil that was filled up the whole way. Day one, the, the, the lamps were filled with the oil and it burned, but nothing was consumed. The oil wasn't consumed. And if that sounds like an impossibility, it's because it is. Ulahayr, um, let's skip that. Kumtais, uh, second to last paragraph from 186 on the right side. Kumtais, it's like the two line paragraph. As in demnes is given a davar Turns out that this miracle contained a paradox, an age TV. It had a physical fire, va'ar haneres, was kumf von shemru kiyetzebezeh, muz, oh sorry, an ish tivi, va'ar haneres, was kumf von shemru kiyetzebezeh, muz derbai zayin kilian Hashem. If you have a fire, and you have a, you have a lamp, you have, uh, with oil, you have an oil lamp and fire, it, you must have kilian Hashem. Kilian Hashem means that the oil has to be consumed. The way fire works, the fire will only be tethered. Again, I'm trying to describe, the reason why I describe this nature of fire is because fire is, to get it to stick is very tricky. If you want to maintain fire, not have it burn out of control and then, and then undo itself. If you want to keep it in one place, illuminating one space, meaning you want to take this, 
this wild energy, this energy that literally doesn't want to be here. If you want to tether it down into a specific time and space, right here, right now, I want it to illuminate this room, right? Candlelight. We want it to illuminate this room. You have to have a very specific scenario. You have to have, let's say, in this case, the oil. You have to have a wick, the right oil, the right wick, and it has to be done in the right way to keep it there. But the way it works is that the fire will keep on burning as long as the oil is fueling it, and slowly, slowly, the... the the fire um, consumes the oil, right? Depletes the oil. The oil is depleted, and that's what it's. That's what's keeping the fire there. The the elimination of the oil is what keeps the fire burning. So here you have a situation where, although that's what normally happens, you have a fire that normally would require kilian hashemin, which means the 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 destruction or the elimination of the oil or the combustion of the oil. On the one hand, but at the same time, hakarnet gefelt. But nothing was depleted. So it burned the oil, it depleted the oil, but it didn't deplete the oil. Kilyain, unit kilyain, that's the left column at the top. Kilyain, unit kilyain, bevasachas. It was consumption and non consumption at the same time simultaneous. Undas is an Indian for nimna hanim nois. This is what we call in Chsidis the impossibility of impossibilities. Like it says in the Gemara, that the Aran didn't take up any space. I'm sure you've heard this before. So that the Kodesh HaKadoshim was 20 by 20 Amis, so, which is about, what, 30 feet. So imagine, imagine this table, this width. Imagine this is 20 Amis from here to here. And imagine in the middle, imagine you have the Aran. The Aran was small. It was one and a half by two and a half Amis. Imagine you have the Aran. This will be, so taste the Aran, right? Um, so imagine you have the Aran in the middle. So you would think. So if you measure, again, if you measure wall to wall, it's 20 amas. If you measure from the edge of the, the arayin to one wall and the other edge to the other wall, it would be, let's say this is two and a half. It was, it was a rectangle. Let's say here was the two and a half. So two and a half minus 20 is what? 17 and a half divided by two. Oh, this is a high level math now. Right? This is now high level math. It's almost 10. 8.75. Boom. 8.75. So you would imagine... Is that it? Is that, is that uh, 8.75? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So eight, you would imagine if you measure 8.75 amas, 8.75. No. If you measure from the edge of the RN, again, one edge was 10. The other edge, 10. 10 plus 10 is 20. Plus 2.5 should be 22.5. And yet, it was just 20. So that prompts the Gemara to say, The space of the RN didn't take up any space. But guess what? It had space. It's not like it disappeared. It had space. It took up space. When you measured it, it's two and a half. And yet when you measured it, it didn't take up space. This is not just a miracle. This is what we call nimna hanimnois. This is the impossible. It's a paradox. It's, you know, it says about atzmos. It's like, when do you know you're dealing with God, with, with atzmos, with the essence of Hashem? It's when, it's not when there's transcendence. It's not when you have a miracle. It's when you have the impossible. It's when you have the impossible. It's the impossible that only the Abishur can pull off. Only the core essence of Hashem can pull off. When you have space, huh? A miracle can be just breaking nature. But here you have nature and breaking nature in the same space. That's what's going on here. To break nature, to say something disappears is one thing. But to say that it disappears and appears at the same time, it's here and it's not here. It's not sometimes it's here. See, here, here's, here's what it is. 
Teva, nature is, it's here. A miracle is, it disappeared. This is, it's here and it's not here. Right. Right. I once heard, I once heard an amazing vark on that. It says that there are ten miracles in the Yisem Midrash. Right? Right? They stood, you know, bumper to bumper, as it were, and they, um, and when they bowed down, there was space. Once heard. Yeah, sure. No, but I have a vart on this anyway. Either way, I. <laughs> Either way, I've got a destination. Either way, here's it's a beautiful vart. When everyone stands up straight, when everyone's ego is up, there's no space for anybody. When everyone's willing to bend, everyone's willing to yield, plenty of space. Revachim. I'm dim tzfufim. If you say everyone's like, no, my way, the highway, there's no room for anybody. Mishtachavim, revachim. There's plenty of room. Right, and the snap. So, no, the snap was different because the snap was just a spiritual fire. I think he ties it in. I think he ties into the snap somewhere. Where do you have it? Oh, there you go. Oh, there we go. Oh, Pashas near Lat Lat. Oh, interesting. Huh. Look at that. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It basically says that the snare. All right. We have to we have to do a deeper dive in this. Um, your question is: it, it has been done before with the Aran. Good question. I don't know. We have to. We have to. We have to Why don't we have that also? Good. These are... Maybe. Maybe. It seems like this approach is is meant to answer two questions. Number one, the technical questions on the other two opinions and the larger question of why would we create a miracle, uh, why would we celebrate a miracle that's not original? Right? What Mushka's asking is, well, this one, we literally are now... Huh? That it's not original. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because we have Sarah and Rivka, right. and then we have um, Elisha. That's and so Mushka's question is, but we have... If you say that this is like the Makim Ha'aren, then the question now it will apply to this answer as well. This is also not, not before. So that's a good question. I would imagine it's either covered in the footnotes, or if it's not in the footnotes, then guaranteed it was covered in one of the Kaitsim, one of the Ha'aras. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Huh? Oh, interesting. You're saying there's no human interaction there. Interesting. Good. I like that answer. Perfect. Perfect. I like it. Good. So we can say that maybe it's because it wasn't, uh, you know, it was just Kajakdashim. It was the Ab. Oh, I like that actually. Um, I like that. In other words, no, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking about it. No, I'm processing. No, no. I, I was thinking. No, in other words, when you. St- what? Good. I want to elaborate on your, on your answer. In other words, in other words, right? What Chaki is saying is basically like this. That when you step into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, of course that's what you're going to see. You're not going to create a celebration of that. 
You're walking into the Abisher space. What else is going to be over there? Nimnahanim Nice. The celebration is when that miracle is manifest in our world. That's the word. In the Kershak Doshim, that's what you said, right? No, that's what you said. Right, but again, it's more than that. It's, it's when you're entering the Abisher space, of course that's how it looks. Right? What does God's wonderland look like? That's what it looks like. It's the paradox. It's when that appears in our world, whoa, that's kind of cool. The menorah was also in the Bismillah. It's too many questions. No, no, but again, Chagi's point is, this is out for everyone to see. That's like yeah, Kershaw Dashim. Yeah, it also was made is, by the Kohen, the Kodesh Akedashim. Yeah, all right. Some things are better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um, good. So, what he does over here now is actually say that Hanukkah was even greater than the Makim and Enem and which could also answer the question. But I don't know if I want to get into it. Because I feel like it's time to get into the lessons. Because this is where it gets very powerful. And I'm going to paraphrase some of this and we're going to read some of this. So we have thus far our three core explanations. Two classic, two original as to how all of this went down. And just to review, I know we've now done this probably, you know, a num- not probably, a number of times. Let's just review it. We had Kamos, Echos, and Nimna Hanimnois. At least we're rhyming, right? Qua- um, quantity, quality, and impossibility, right? Let's go through it again. The quantity miracle says that they, the oil was consumed and then it magically refilled. Great. The quality Explanation has it that the oil became turbocharged. Great. And the Rebbe's explanation is impossibility. Not quantity, not quality, impossibility. Normal oil being, you know, um, fueling the fire, right? It was fuel, but it didn't deplete. The Rebbe says, let's understand based on these three explanations, how often was the miracle happening? How often was the miracle happening? He says, think about it. Um, According to the quantity approach, how many times did the miracle happen? Seven. The miracle happens... (laughs) Wait, what, what, what? Seven. Seven. It would be six because it only filled up. It had it the first time. Right. Why six? Seven. Right, so it'd be one. Pl- How many days did they need to make? So eight. Right? It was eight days, right? So again, according to according to the Kamas approach, according to the quantity approach, each day, how many times did the miracle happen? Each day. What? Correct. Correct. Why? Because let's say, well, they lit in the afternoon, right? They lit in the afternoon. So in the afternoon, whether it was that the jug, I wish I had two cups. Do you guys have another cup? I just like. I just like. I personally like. Actually, doing some visuals. Thank you very much. You get, we can okay. put it in the oranges. Oh no, 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 that's 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 way too elaborate. That's like high level Kabbalah. That's high level. Oh, because of this? Eh, I'm sure it's fine. So according to the, again, the first explanation is they pour the oil. That's just one one approach, right? 
right? And then they, they lit, and then magically, it refilled, right? I don't think this is working. Anyway, so, and then they use it again. So, for the, with the new oil. Okay, great. So the miracle happens once, and then it burns normally, correct? Yes. It's like miracle oil, right? It's new oil, but that's one time it happens per day, and then it burns the rest of the day with that oil. Great. According to the second explanation, that the actual quality of the oil changes. So how long is the miracle, how often is the miracle happening? Miracle is happening kind of all the time, right? Like hold on, hold on one second, one second. Let me see, let me read this ad. Okay, here we go. So, the, what said it? Every second that this oil is burning, burns for more time. For more time. time, right. So, the miracle, so the re, truth is, the miracle really happened once when the oil changed into supercharged oil. And now that supercharged oil is the one that's burning. Um, so, it's, it, again, if it just refills with normal oil, then you're using normal oil, there's no more miracle. Right? If it's supercharged oil, then every moment it's the su- you're using that miracle oil, but you don't really see the miracle happening every moment. You don't see it. Why? Because it looks like normal oil, just burning a little more slowly. Which I guess you do see, but you don't see at the same time. Okay. But the third way of understanding the miracle is something where not only is the miracle happening at every moment, but you can see it every moment. Why? Because at every moment, it's burning and it's not being consumed. It's burning and it's not being depleted. The oil is fueling the fire, but even as it fuels, it doesn't deplete. And that's amazing. And the Rebbe says to bring it down into our lives. And there's, there's many ways that we can go with this, but the Rebbe goes with a very powerful approach that I would like to do a few things with. We're going to do the original way the Rebbe presents it. We're then going to use, let's say, like a, a parenting um, version of it. And then we'll do a wartime conversation right 2023 so let's go Rebbe says like this let's translate nature and miracles in our lives nature is how we normally view things the way we normally you know operate miracle is the idea of mysterious nefesh the idea of going above and beyond Um, what I would the way I would frame it the way I would phrase it is that teva nature is the way we are when we take things for granted or when we, um, when we assume that things are just going to be because they are. Whereas the miracle is when we feel really connected with truth and we take nothing for granted. So the Rebbe says like this. There's three ways. Like we have the three ways of explaining the miracle. You have three ways. How often do we call upon the miracle in our lives? There's how often do we connect with the core truth, with that miracle truth. Some people, it's once a day. That's like the first way of the miracle, right? You, you depleted it, right? and once a day it refills, in the morning. So in the morning, we recognize who we are, what we're about, the truth of all that. We don't take life for granted. This life is a blessing. This day is a blessing. I have a mission. We think about it once a day in the morning, and then the rest of the day, Normal. Teva. Normal lives. It's like, you know, it's... it's yeah. Anyone do a Pidyan Haben? Anyone have that opportunity to do Pidyan Haben? Right? So Pidyan Haben, if your oldest is... If you're a non koyin or Levi for both husband and father and mother and 
your first child is a boy and was born on the 12th day of the month. I'm kidding, I added that last, that last little wrinkle. Uh, and not as, right, and, and et cetera, et cetera, right. All of these things, if, 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 right. My son actually was born on the 12th of the month. Nice. Well, I knew that. That's why. <laughs> Lucky guess. Anyway, so if that's the, you did a pigeon I've been? Yeah. Because uh, it was the 12th. Of course. Yeah, Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, nice. You guys listen. Yeah. That's a nice day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, were you gunning for Yudalif? I was gunning for before Pesach, and we did it by his. Can imagine. My wife. My wife was always late, with the you know late whatever right on time, but (laughs) (laughs) what felt like late. Who am I? I, I'm out of my way out of my field there. Anyway, she what? What? Oh, I wasn't. I must have walked into the wrong room. Anyway, so she would always be like, she would tell me, and I guess herself, she's like, no one's been pregnant forever, so I guess there's... All right, back to the story. So, Pidina Ben, have, did, okay, so for the moms that have been there at the Pidina Ben, did you hear the, di- the little, like, play that happens? There's, like, a play. Everyone has their lines. I'm, I'm not joking. You have your line. It's a script. It's scripted. You say, um, I'll do like the rough translation. Uh, I think somebody now says, hear ye, hear ye. I think there's, I'm kidding about that one. So, so the, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not good. I have to, I have to consult. Right, anyway, so, okay. In that case, in that case, that's great. Um, so here we go. So the father says, behold, or here is, the child born to my Israelite wife. That's the rough translation. It's in Aramaic, I believe, so I'm not, I'm not going to try to pull that from memory. And the Kayan says to the father, which would you rather, the child or the five coins that you'll need to pay me for the redemption of the child? Right? And it's scripted just in case any father has any second doubts. It's, that's why they wrote out the script. It's like, do not improvise here. <laughs> so, so the father says, right, what does the father say? Father says, here are the coins. I'll keep the kid. So I once saw a question. It sounds so silly. It's like, what is this whole song and dance? This whole song. You have to read the opinion I've been. Give the Kayan. Give him, give him tab, five coins. Right? Give, give Rabbi Friedman. Take, give five coins. He's a Kayan, right? Your husband's a Kayan. Give him five coins. Be done with it. Right? The whole dialogue. You need a dialogue. You need a play. Everyone's got a role. It's a play. It's like, oh, where's the backdrops? I don't see the right back. What are we doing here? I want sort of art. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The parent will say, when the kid's 30 days old, I'll take the kid over the coins. What happens in, you know, a little down the line? It's like, hold on, I'm on the phone. I don't have time right now. Right? Don't we tell our present company excluded? Right? Don't parents sometimes tell their kids, right, that they need to wait because of the coins over the child? Sometimes it happens. And so there's a powerful message here. When do we recognize our truth? So for some people, it's once a day in the morning. Right? I'm saying, like, for parents, it could also be at 30 days. That was hopefully not, right? But it could be the beginning of the day. We recognize our truth. When I say our truth, I'm sorry. The truth, right? The big truth. God is real. Souls are real. 
Yiddishkeit is real. Like this is there's something way bigger than the than the than the natural order of things. The miracle. But the rest of the day, it's all nature. That's the first first way of understanding the miracle. Second way of understanding the miracle and living that in our lives is the miracle is happening. The miracle is happening constantly, but we don't really see it. Which means that we're not just inspired when we said Maida'ani in the morning. Or maybe we're also inspired when we daven in the morning. Maybe we're inspired throughout the day, you know, about the truth, but we don't always see it manifest in our lives throughout the day. So there's a little bit, it's kind of like a hybrid. It's in the morning, it's throughout the day a little bit, but it's not so visible in how we, how we live our lives. But the th- that's the second way of the miracle, the echos, right? The, quant- the quality miracle, where um, the oil is supercharged, which means that there was a transformation in the oil. So the whole day it's really a miracle, but you don't always see it. Right? You don't see it. So this person is living with their truth, with, again, with the truth, but it's not fully, you don't see it necessarily. They're not living like turbocharged. They are turbocharged, but you don't see it. It looks like normal oil. It looks, it looks normal on the outside, which means it didn't fully take, take root from, you know, from end to end. Whereas the third type of miracle is, again, where the oil is burning and not being consumed. Right? The fire is burning the oil, but the oil is not being consumed. That means that constantly when you look at it, you're wowed. You're like, this is remarkable. This is a person who's living their life with the, with the absolute truth on their sleeve. There's a person who's on fire. There's a person who's on spiritual fire. And I think the way this can manifest in areas of our lives, again, that's kind of the way the Rebbe translates, translates this in the Sicha. And really that kind of takes it to the end of, what, of what's inside. Um, but I was thinking in the context of, of children, for example. So, you know, we... And going back to the example of Pinyin Ben before, it wasn't a random example. This is actually the second application I wanted to share. You know, when we, when we think about, you know, our love for our children, um, you know, how does that show up? Are we, whenever we're dealing with them, do we feel that love? It's like if we were, when push, when push comes to shove, of course we feel that love. And there are moments in which that love comes out. But the question is, in every interaction, are we dealing with them or are we seeing them in that pure light? Right? Do we see them as a, as a neshama? Do we see them as a pure essence? Or do we see them as children that sometimes test our patience? Right? And sometimes we have to remember that they are. Right? So there's different ways. One way is, the last time we thought of it is at the Pidyan Aben. Right? And now they're just kids. Or is it that we always know that, but we don't always necessarily notice that? The third way is where you're always living in that space. Um, I think one of, the, one of the primary lessons, or really the prim- one of the primary um, ways to parent is recognizing that that our children are not here for us, right? We're, we have a very, a very um, straightforward role, and that is to raise a, to, to raise a child into a healthy, into, a, into an adult. We're here for them. I think oftentimes we think about how, 
We think about how they make us feel. And it's normal. It's normal to, to be affected by that because we're, we're in a relationship. Obviously, we're meant to feel. But sometimes we think we, we, we lose our, our, sense of, our sense of purpose. So, for example, so let's say you're shopping. It's probably never happened so doesn't anyone here. Let's say you're shopping. And your child sees, you're down the aisle, and the child sees something they want to buy, and you say, no, we're not buying it. And the child has what we call, in Kabbalah, a meltdown. I'm kidding, it's not a Kabbalah. <laughs> the child has a meltdown. Right? And now it becomes a little bit complicated. Why? Why is it complicated? Because there's not only what the child needs, there's also what you need. What you need, part of what you need is, when I say need, I don't really mean need, but what you feel you need, you might feel you need, is to look like a competent parent. And for the child to look like a competent child in public. And now you're filled with all sorts of complicated emotions. Because you're trying to get the child quiet, but you don't know exactly how to do that, and you're, you're being very reactive in the moment, and it's getting very... Complicated. So we tend to, again, everyone handles things differently, but it's very possible that a person might handle that not in the optimal way because of the context, because of the situation. But imagine if we viewed ourselves as caretakers of a divine soul, of a of an ashama that was sent to this earth, entrusted in our care. And our, the entirety of our relationship is taking care of this, of, this, uh, of, this, of this gift. We would think about it, I think, in a bit of a different way. The problem is we're not always aware of it. We're not always thinking about it. We're not always looking at our child, right? Even though we love our children, we're not, we're not necessarily always thinking of them with such transparency. We don't see them in such a transparent way. Sometimes we get stuck on the outer layers and we don't re- recognize that pure, divine reality that's, that's right there in front of us. I was thinking of telling that story, but then I felt like maybe, you know. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, this is awkward now. <laughs> The end of the story is, she, well, I, I don't want to repeat it. You repeat it. <laughs> Shmuel Lu went to the Rebbe in, in one of his yechidus, in many yechidus, and he once said that he has you know, an anger thing where sometimes he, he uses physical contact. And he's on his hits. The Rebbe said, you know, think about, right, that I, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact answer, but think about how your, chi- your child is not yours, child is a child of Hashem, and, you know, you can't lift your hand to a child of Hashem. Some, right? Something like that? But, yeah, but, like, also look at them like they're, like, a diamond. Right, okay. Right, but similar. Yeah, child of Hashem. Child of Hashem, diamond, right? Similar, similar concept. So what's the point? The point is that sometimes we, 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 we navigate things in maybe not the most correct fashion because we're not, because although we know the truth, we don't feel the truth. It's like, think about it in any relationship. How could anyone ever do something hurtful or say something hurtful? Let's say, say, say something hurtful to someone they really love. It's because in the moment, you weren't feeling the love. 
you knew that you loved or you, lo- you, you felt that at some point. Maybe even today you felt that. But in this moment, you're not conscious of it. The nimna hanimnais means that in this moment, you're aware of the miracle. You're aware of the beauty. You're aware of the divinity in this experience. It's not just early, earlier. Today, this was beautiful, precious. Now it's normal. That's typically how things, what, what happens. It's exciting and then, things, and then the novelty wears off. People ask me like, so how did 40 days after Manter, how did they sin with the Chateigel? My answer is always the same. I can't relate to the story either. I don't know why it took them 40 days. <laughs> I can't relate. It, that should last 40 days? Since when did any of us get inspired and it lasted for 40 days? Never happened. You get inspired, I mean maybe a week. Maybe a week. I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to. I am. No. <laughs> I actually am. No, but really, it's like, the point is that, 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 that truce, like people have epiphanies and truce and these major experiences and, and watershed moments and moments of clarity and, and, and everything is, it lines up and it's so obvious and so true and so clear and great. And the, the, the clouds part and the, the, the light comes down. It's wonderful. It's amazing. And then back to normal. That's how it is. How often does the miracle happen? That's the question. Once a day, does it happen once and then it reverts? Does it happen sort of ongoing, but we're not fully in that moment, we're not fully aware of the presence, or are we constantly aware of that beauty that's right in front of us? So whether it's spiritually, whether it's on a parent or a parental level, or whether it's a war going on right now, right? So now we're all thinking about Every day. So what are we going to do? How are we going to live our life more proudly Jewish, more energetically Jewish? How are we going to inspire more people? And all of these things were true nine weeks ago also. They were all true nine weeks ago. And everyone's standing shoulder to shoulder today, and all of that, all of the dynamics, all of the truths of that achdos were there also nine weeks ago. But we didn't feel it necessarily. We didn't feel it. Why? Because of life. Or, nah, that's not how the kids say it today. Because life. I think that's how you say it, right? <laughs> because, and then you skip out any, right? Because that's, right, that's how things work. There are, there are big truths, there are clarion calls, and, and, and moments of, any, you know, epiphany moments, and then, whatever. And then, and then things go back to normal, and as things are normally, you don't feel the same drive, you don't feel the same dedication, you see? My son is calling, and what do I do? Done. <laughs> Took the corner. Anyway, so, what, so what's the point? The point is that sometimes, sometimes we have the, um, the propensity to not be fully aware of the beauty in front of us, whether it's, the, whether it's the, the beauty of a mitzvah right in front of us, the beauty of a person right in front of us, or the beauty in Am Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, Klal Yisrael, right in front of us. And the message is consistent. We choose our approach. Do you live the Kamos miracle, the Echos miracle, or the Nimna Hanunayis miracle? Are you living life in the quantity lane, the quality lane, or the lane of impossibility? How and do you do so, the impossibility practically? That would be impossible. <laughs> it would be about no no hold on so, so just to so that's it yeah. to live the life of the impossible would mean 
that it, at what it looks like is a person who is on fire spiritually, a person who is at every moment they are active and they are um, present and they are mindful of the beauty inside of them, the beauty in the other person, the beauty in the world, the beauty in Yiddishkeit, that they're fully present and connected with the truth in this moment, and it's clear, it's when I'm speaking to somebody, I'm with them and I'm present, and I honor their neshama inside. When I'm doing a mitzvah, I'm present, I'm excited to share this with others. I'm living a life where I don't take things for granted and I don't, you know, I, I don't forget about the truth. In a relationship, that's why I wanted to give the relationship example, and I picked children. Look, any, in any relationship, if, any, if, if, if we could ever, or if someone could ever say something not respectful or not nice to someone else that they love, right, and later will apologize and say, I don't know what came over me, that wasn't me. Yeah, we actually have cameras, that was you. <laughs> what does it mean it wasn't me? Sometimes it wasn't me. I, that actually was literally you. Was it wasn't yeah. me. Right, but what is Rosh this, this, this supernatural, you were abducted by aliens? Nah, it's not what Rosh is. It's no, no alien abduction. Not, not so easy to get out of that. What it means is, in this moment, you forgot who you are and who they are. In this moment, you're not feeling the love. Right? You're not feeling the love. So, the, the bottom line of this is, the Rebbe says, oh, oh, there's one more piece. What brings out, and this actually relates to our times, what brings out the third level? This is not a great... Oh, Cassie. Yeah, it's the darkness. The darker the darkness, the more present you have to be with them. It just evokes a greater sense of a presence. So yeah, when there's a crisis, God forbid a health crisis you don't forget how much you love that other person. You don't forget. You go running. Wait, can I just say a story? You can't forget. Yeah, sure. My mother had surgery. Yeah. And she can't stop telling me how much she loves me. <laughs> <laughs> Is she on painkillers? <laughs> <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> no, no, but, but, it, but, that's, but that's true. Right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. When a person faces... A challenge, or when we see someone face a challenge, right? Suddenly, right? Imagine, oh, I don't have time. You know, I, we have certain times with the, with family, whatever. But you know, I also have time for myself. But God forbid, someone's in a in a in a. I, I don't like to say it. Someone's in a in a in a situation. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And the truth yes. is, it never mattered. None of this stuff never mattered. But what? I don't know. Well, we took it for granted, or life, or whatever it is. We weren't living from that place of authenticity. Mm -hmm. So so the Rebbe says, that true authenticity comes out. What evokes it? Necessity. Times of darkness. That's why he says, why did this miracle of the impossible happen in the story of Hanukkah? Because there was such an incredible darkness by by the Yavanim, by the Syrian Greeks. Based on commensurate, right, to the amount of darkness that there was, they needed this miracle. In our language, when Hamas, when we have this type of darkness, you're going to get a response that is present 24-7. You're not going to be able to sleep well at night. You're not going to be able to go through your day without thinking about it constantly. It's going to be ever-present. It's going to be a miracle. It's going to be the, the truth and the core of who we are and what we're about is going to be constantly felt. Why? Because of the depth of the darkness. 
Now, Kasulamar, should we have waited? Should we wait for darkness to bring it out? I mean, should we wait? Everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a tragedy. Happened. Hug your kids. Should we wait for that to have a message? Hug your kids? Why? Hug your kids because hug your kids. Hug your kids because they're your kids. But human beings are human beings. And so sometimes it takes the darkness to bring out the light. May we have no more darkness. Amen. May we only have the light. Amen. May we never forget who we are, what we're about, and who those in our lives are to us. Amen. Amen.